Octopuses, uh, octopi, to make my past English teachers happy, are extremely intelligent. The extent of octopus intelligence is difficult to determine. They have been known to solve puzzles and use basic tools. In nature, scientists have observed some octopus that carry around coconut shells with them, which they later use as a protective shelter. This shows an intelligence capable of predicting future events. No small feat. But if you think that's impressive, we've actually taught an octopus to take photos with a camera. You can view some of the pictures taken by the octopus if you Google the New Zealand Aquarium. That's right. Octopuses are officially smart enough to be on Instagram. And maybe even smart enough to steal Carlos's job of queuing up the music. Welcome to Viable Underdogs, where we try and teach you some cool stuff and hopefully encourage everyone to become a bit more sustainable. My name is John, and Carlos is with me as well. This is episode number 12. Today we're talking about greenwashing and a brief exploration of ethics and ethical decision making. Octopuses are typically solitary animals, meaning a lot of their ingenuity has to be self-taught. This is completely different from humans, who are extremely social animals. We are very dependent, since we depend on others to feed and protect us through infancy. Without others, we would die, and this dependency lasts years. During this time, we are also taught things at a much more accelerated rate than we would have if we were self-taught. This is one of the many reasons why there are extremely challenging subjects in school. We're trying to cram thousands of years of theories, experiments, and innovations over a much shorter time span. So you can see how this human codependency, for the most part, benefits us. And this is also the reason social interactions are so important to humanity. Many of us fear public speaking more than we even fear death. It's crazy, but not really all that hard to believe. We've talked briefly about cooperation before in the show in episode number 10. We sometimes take our codependency for granted, but how many of us rely on others to produce our food? We also rely on others to supply us with heat and electricity. We rely on emergency services to help us if we're in danger. We rely on countless people that make our cities and countries operate. There is almost no escape from this. And it's this cooperation that spawns the ideas of rules of good and evil, of ethics. It would be considered bad to steal or kill someone since it's seen as uncooperative. We might be treading a bit into philosophical territory here, but ethics are taught and agreed upon, not necessarily inherent to anyone. This is made evident by the fact that many programs in universities add courses dedicated solely to the study of ethics to ensure future workers operate in an ethical manner. Businesses used to only have to answer to one thing, money, and screw everyone else. Workers were underpaid, mistreated, and put in danger. But over time, workers formed unions, governments put in place labor standards, and today we have better working conditions than our ancestors. Scandals in the 20th century, such as the Ford Pinto controversy, made governments and businesses reassess the liability these organizations were responsible for. Currently, there is a greater push towards business ethics, hence the new business mantra, People, Planet, Profits. It's important to note that although we are trending that way, 
we're certainly not there 100% yet. The people and planet part are often still not put on equal weighting when an organization is evaluating its business decisions. Things are slowly getting better, and this is the reason for the large push to inject ethics education into many programs. If ethics were inherent, and they were the exact same in every single person on Earth, then there wouldn't have to be a need to teach it in school. This shows that ethics are in fact a learned thing. Now maybe you think that you yourself or others have a relatively similar idea as to what true good and true evil are. The problem lies in the fact that the world is really a source of ideals. We get a nice mixture of good and bad. Here's an example of this we pulled from the textbook entitled Management by Schirmerhorn and Wright. So let's say we have a 12-year-old child working in a developing nation. He works 12-hour days and is a sole provider for his family. His employer is in negotiations for a lucrative contract with an American customer. But there's one stipulation of the contract that child workers are not permitted. So now this young child is fired from their job. The child is then confused as they take pride in their work and need the money to support their family. So the big question is, should they have been fired? Obviously in a perfect world, child labor wouldn't exist, but we don't live in a perfect world and difficult questions such as this still need to be answered. Should the fact that this child is relying on these funds to support themselves, as well as their family, be enough of a reason to allow the child to work? And before you answer the question, bear in mind that billions of people lack proper access to clean water and sanitation, leading to a whole slew of problems, as I'm sure you can imagine. In this example, this job may very well be a matter of life and death for this child or one of its family members. These are the types of questions and ethical decisions that have no easy answer. Allowing the child to work sucks, and firing from their job also sucks. In the future, we can all hope that things will get better enough for that not to be a question we have to ask. And this is why the study and implementation of ethics is so important. Businesses need to be encouraged to act more responsibly. There was a massive shift in the 20th century where businesses have elevated themselves to have as much influence as governments in some respects. Whether you enjoy that sentiment or not won't change the fact that businesses are a backbone in any economy. They employ a significant portion of the workforce and they contribute a ton to the wealth of a nation. For this reason, a business, much like a government, really has to be accountable to its people, customers, and employees. They have to make more responsible decisions that involve additional factors such as sustainability in our environment. Last week, we started talking about greenwashing and we decided to continue talking about it in this episode because it really is disappointing to hear about. Greenwashing is a way that an organization can make it appear that it's more environmentally friendly than it is to consumers. This can be done by methods such as labeling a product as green or eco-friendly or adding it into a product slogan but very little, if nothing at all, has been done to increase sustainability. Greenwashing can be advantage to a company for several reasons. For one, if consumers are comparing similar products with similar pricing, they may often opt for the choice that is more environmentally friendly. On top of that, many consumers are willing to pay more for products and services that are more sustainable and environmentally friendly. So by greenwashing, 
A business can not only gain a competitive advantage by suggesting they are greener than their competitors, they could also charge more. Your average consumer doesn't have time to research the legitimacy of each claim each company makes for every product they buy. We're all busy people and have lots of things on the go. Even those of us concerned for the planet don't really have the time to waste ensuring the products we buy are transparent in the way they are marketed and produced. And this is the reason we were talking about ethics earlier. Our world is changing so quickly that our ability to agree upon and enforce rules is having trouble keeping up. Some countries, like Canada, have made the practice of greenwashing illegal. But really, businesses in the 21st century shouldn't require the need to be brought into compliance over matters that are clearly unethical. Profits are of course important, because an enterprise won't survive without them, but people and the planet are equally as important to an organization. Profits won't do your bottom line any good when you've devastated the environment, ruining your source of raw materials. Not to mention that it will be difficult to even find consumers if the global economy collapses under the strain of attempting to repair our planet. And then add to those two challenges the ridiculous death toll our unsustainability is leading us towards. But hey, it's a small price to pay to see slightly increased profit margins for a year or two by greenwashing. And really, we were originally going to leave it on that note, but all passive aggressiveness aside, everyone needs to make the choice on whether short-term gain outweigh these massively bad problems we are creating for ourselves in the near future. Cheers. Thanks for listening. As always, please share and forward this podcast. The first step towards realistic sustainability is in knowledge and discussion, and this can't happen without everyone's input. Please send any questions, comments, or octopus photography to viableunderdogs at gmail.com. Our intro music is composed by Mark Kronowski and the music currently playing by Jonathan Atkinson. We intend to get a website up and running in the near future. Until then, you can read more about ethical decision-making and management in the book we referenced in the episode. It's called Management. Uh, We use the third Canadian edition, written by John Shermerhorn Jr. and Barry Wright.